Broadcasting from beautiful, tropical Vero Beach, Florida, it's Money Nation with Ed Gardner. Now here is your host of Money Nation, Ed Gardner. Welcome to Money Nation. Today's special guest, my sidekick, Joe Cunningham. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, Ed. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. How's the uh, weather in uh, Minneapolis doing today? It's a typical day in January. Uh, it's going to warm up a little bit today, but tomorrow will be minus 14. So well, I've got that to look forward to. Well, Joe, it's getting a little cold down here in Vero Beach. I mean, it's been 70 to 80 <laughs> the last couple of weeks, and we actually are down to the 60s. So uh, we're feeling the same pain you have up there, Joe. And, and I'm moving in. <laughs> when you coming? Hey, the big news—the big news here today in the market—is Microsoft buying Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard for sixty-eight billion dollars. What do you think about right? this? You know, gaming is huge. Uh, what do you think about uh, Microsoft getting into this? Well, I wonder uh, if it will take the cool out of some of Activision's. Uh, properties. You know what I mean? Microsoft is the, you know, probably the second most hated company on the planet. <laughs> sure, yeah. they've done well. The stock's been great. But, you know, I put Facebook is the most hated company on the planet and Microsoft is a big behemoth. But they're consolidating their position um, in this space, in the gaming space. And, it, 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 you know, ultimately, um, you, you know, these, these games will no longer be for free to play, right? I mean, you're going to have, there's going to be some subscription type of model and it's just incremental, but it, it it's coming. It's a big, big price. And it makes me wonder um, on the valuation for Epic Games, which is, you know, a scheduled IPO for sometime this year, 2022. And, it, you know, that Epic Games is Fortnite, which is the um, game of, of choice in the Cunningham household amongst the 16-year-old trolls that uh, uh, come and go here playing games. So, <laughs> yeah, your you know, son's a big son's a big gamer. Now, yeah, I, yeah, they all are at it. This age, they, they, uh, and although I, I think, so, some kids play more than others, uh, you yeah, know, some kids play sure. little. Some kids are in their rooms all the time. I've seen that with some of my friends' kids. Now, I said Microsoft getting into this. Obviously, they already own Xbox. They're the maker of Xbox. Yeah. So they're uh, with this with this uh, buying Activision. I think they then become the third largest. Uh, gaming company by revenue. Right. I imagine Sony's on top of that, but, you know, they're... Uh, you got Take-Two they're, Interactive, too. Take-Two Interactive is a pretty big company, I believe. Take-Two, that's the other one, right? And I think Tenant uh, is another one. But, it, you know, look, it's a typical oligopoly-type model where, you know, we're starting to see consolidation at the top where there's two or three different uh, incumbent players. And, you know, Microsoft is Microsoft. They've got the biggest... Uh, bank account in the business so uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna win this if that's the the path they um, they want to go but i i do wonder about the cool effect uh, with microsoft owning all these properties and if uh, you know candy crush is going to be as cool for the uh, you know the, the boomers to play as it maybe once was <laughs> my mother told me actually my 82 year old mother told me yesterday that she plays candy crush i never knew so you know you think gaming's for the young kids you got 82 year old ladies playing candy crush before they go to bed i thought that was pretty funny the that is great the, the microsoft uh 
CEO, he quoted, gaming is the most dynamic and exciting category in entertainment across all platforms today and will play a key role in the development of the metaverse platform. So, you know, we think of games as just games, two people playing against each other. But there are these other games out there where you build worlds or you build civilizations uh, or where people buy things. They like they put money in to buy a house. They have to uh, right. pay a couple dollars more to buy a car in the game. Well, that's kind of what this, this, this whole NFT and metaverse thing is. The kind of big games in a way, which, and I, obviously that's these metaverse platforms are, people think they've got a lot of potential. They're very hard to understand for a lot of people. What do you think about the whole NFTs and the metaverse? That's the hot thing going on right now. Well, think about this. When was the first time you heard the word metaverse? Right? Not, it, it, <laughs> not too long ago. Not too long ago, right? And all of a sudden, it is a thing. And it is not just a thing. It is the next big thing. And it's all part of the, you know, the Web 3.0, right, which was supposed to be a decentralization of web platforms where you and I would have our own platform, essentially, and own our data. And that's a little bit what you saw with uh, Jack Dempsey when he resigned from Twitter and he went out and he's trying to uh, um, advocate for the democratization of, uh, uh, of the Internet, of the next, uh, you know, iteration of the Internet. And, and when what he's done, and I'm not a Jack Dempsey fan, I don't really care about him uh, at all, but. What he has done is he's betrayed his Silicon Valley class, right? And yeah. That's kind of a big deal. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But, yeah, Metaverse, I mean, the first time I heard the word was probably six months ago. And now we're living in it, apparently. And uh, if we're not living in it, we're missing out on it. But the NFT market, I have gotten into a little bit just in terms – in the Bitcoin, of course, we, we know – just in terms of trying to understand a little bit better because I had a friend that made an awful lot of money on a, uh, uh, a trade of, um, you know, uh, a monkey. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Monkey, right? <laughs> and uh, I, so I, I went on to OpenSea and I, I started looking around there and uh, still not quite there. But what I did come to understand... By the, by the way, Joe, OpenSea, for the listeners, that's where people yeah. buy and sell NFTs, right? That's right. That's exactly right. That's the biggest uh, platform doing it now. But it, it, you'll have others that will follow. But OpenSea is uh, has some um, monikers of liquidity and legitimacy, and that's a, you know that's key here. You so think- when I got into the market, though, for NFTs, this is interesting. Ed is that the eighty uh, percent uh, of the NFTs that are out there are, are owned by just nine percent of the participants in the market. So it's very highly concentrated at the top, and these guys are keeping the money. Uh, in it for themselves very much. Now, you can follow the trend pricing, uh, uh, you know, the directional trend pricing on these things. There is a market. You can follow it. It's uh, fairly dynamic if you want to uh, get it, be part of that 9% or maybe make that 10%. But we're going to need, and this goes back to the decentralization theme, uh, we're going to need to see uh, a broader market for this to actually become a real market, right? You can't have uh, any market that is controlled by just nine percent of the participants really isn't a market. We want, even if we went back to the old eighty twenty uh, paradigm, right? That right. would be better than you know where we're at right now. So, but it as it relates to the NFTs, Bitcoin. So when I was doing this, I was looking at it, going like, what's you know, trying to understand OpenSea and the whole thing. 
Bitcoin is actually controlled, uh, 95% of Bitcoin trades are controlled by 2% of accounts. Wow. Uh, I'll say that again. 95, I know, 95% of Bitcoin trades are controlled by 2% of the accounts. So that's even worse. Uh, and, uh, you know, Bitcoin, I, I don't follow it every day, but I, I think it's, you know, it's 43,000 or something for a coin. So I know the market's about 800 billion. And I try to, put Bitcoin relative to gold. Right. And so gold right now is about a $9 trillion market cap if you took all the gold. And we know where all the gold is ever mined in the world is. Right. We know we know the value, right? World Gold Council does it. Who I used to advise does an excellent job on that. So Bitcoin at $800 billion, in my model, I always thought that Bitcoin should probably be about 10% of the gold market. Well, it so is about, that's which, about eight, 800 yeah, about, million. Yeah. So it's got a little, you know, a little bit of wiggle room there, but uh, it, it's not going to work as a uh, medium of exchange if, if the accounts uh, are, are controlled by. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, those, two, those, those 2% could be propping the price up or pushing the price up and down how they want it if they control it. And uh, no, no. that's kind of scary. That's, uh, that's pretty scary. It is, and the mining aspect of this is also, you know, very highly concentrated. Costs a lot of money. I had uh, been asked to advise on a company in Minnesota that is doing mining, and they they were putting them out in trailers in cold areas. That uh, you know, <laughs> that was a little esoteric for me. We ended up uh, not um, participating in that particular opportunity, but it was uh, an eye opener in terms of how uh, these guys go about that. You saw in uh, Ukraine last week when the Russia uh, whacked them with a, a little Internet outage and some uh, cryptic, not crypto, some cryptic messaging, uh, how the mining um, shut down. And it, it, that was impactful on the market. So it's, it's, a, it's a funny class of assets, and I would just caution your, um, your, your listeners to you know, do the research before they, they get into it. Doesn't um, doesn't China ban it? It's banned in China. I think the mining is banned. Man, crypto, mining is. Yeah, in, in crypto, you know, I, I couldn't imagine a better class of people than the Chinese to be sitting in, in mining, you know, most anything. But uh, so China is uh, is an interesting one. They got the Olympics coming up, and it's worth watching how they respond to this. They got the zero COVID policies, no spectators at the Olympics. Um, their fourth quarter numbers came in uh, on the low side, kind of 4%. They'll probably grow 4 or 5% this year. So you have to wonder if the what's happening in China will exasperate the inflation expectations in the United States. It, it is the uh, um, you know manufacturing hub of the world still uh, struggles to uh, with COVID and struggles to keep its factories churning out. Uh, you know, iPhones and everything else, uh, and it, you know, which would only be exasperated by the shipping um, uh, issues that we've experienced, supply side issues that we've experienced in the last you know 12 months or so. So, we're still very much keeping an eye on interest rates, Ed, and and watching the market. The uh, the two to ten yield has narrowed quite a bit, so the curve is flattening. Um, my tips, my favorite uh, harbinger of future inflation is. Still at uh, under three percent at two point seven seven, but the headline figures are fat, and that headline figure is what's going to drive expectations, and expectations are going to drive uh, people to make decisions that they might not normally make, and it 
could very well be driving what the Fed does. Right. right? Hey, so Joe, hold that thought. A, hold that thought, Joe. Yeah, we're going to no take worries. we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to be right okay. back with uh, Money Nation. Thank you. All opinions expressed by Ed Gardner and or his guests on the Money Nation show are solely Ed Gardner's and or his guests' opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Cutter and Company or any of their affiliates. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Ed Gardner and or guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only in as an expression of their opinion. Ed Gardner's and his guests' opinions are based on information he considers reliable, but neither Cutter and Company nor affiliates and or subsidies warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. Always talk to your financial advisor before making such decisions. Welcome back to Money Nation. So, Joe... The the big question, Joe, is the NFTs real or not? Uh, I that uh, that is the big question, and I'm struggling with it. And I I have to say, it does look a little bit bubbleish to me. I mean, it looks a little crazy. I don't think they're going to go away, but I I, I would. Uh, spell crash with capital letters um, uh, uh, across the uh, uh, across the way. I just don't see how a market can be supported by that thin of a uh, population. Uh, it's not a market. It's a uh, it's in a trading club. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, 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 you know what I mean. It just has to. You know, I, I'm really skeptical of these things, and I, I, you know, I'm we're exploring it. We're trying to do the research, trying to understand it. We're talking to people that are in it. I've got a friend that's launching two uh, coins um, later this week, two two crypto coins, and I was asked to be a CEO of another one. So it's, um, you know, I, I should know more than I, I do. <laughs> you know, you know, there there is some news out here today also about Walmart. It says uh, Wallverse is a new trademark that's come out, and they're suggesting Walmart is planning to embrace Web3, you know, including developing its own cryptocurrency, NFTs, or its own Wal Walmartverse. So you see big companies doing that. It kind of got to wake up, open your eyes a little bit and just see, <clears throat> is, you know, what is the what is it real or not? It's a big question. It it seems real, but it's but it you know it could be a bubble too. It's well, hard to, it's hard to tell. It, if you're a Walmart, how do you want to wedge your way into the market, right? So you've got a universe of people that visit Walmart stores. We've all been there. We all know um, the experience of shopping at Walmart, and and you've got a another universe of people that are are probably like the prices of Walmart's but don't necessarily go to the stores. Right. Right. Uh, so Walmart would wedge into this market when the market craps out. Right. When there's a significant opportunity for them to displace the incumbent, then Walmart would show up with an all encompassing offering of cash trips and prizes. Really. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be able to do your shopping, have your cash, do your banking. They're an intermediary for financial transactions worldwide. Um, you know, I've been to Walmart's in China, and I've been to them, uh, you know, in other, uh, in other uh, overseas markets, and it's just uh, they're different, but they're the same. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun experience to go to a Walmart overseas, actually. <laughs> uh, so when the, when the market, when there's some dislocation in the market, you could expect to see you know, a, a large player like Walmart try to wedge their way in. Yeah, they can't just sit there and do nothing, I guess, right? Um, yeah, and, and, and the other question again, is it real or not? Well, if you ask Sam Bankman-Fried, if you know who he is, he is the 
the largest crypto guy out there. He's the youngest billionaire in yeah. the world. I think he's worth right. 27 or 28 billion. So we'd have to say it's pretty real for Sam Bankman Freed. I mean, this this 29 year old uh, has made a lot of money, to say the least. So <clears throat> we'll uh, we'll have to see what happens. We'll keep in, keep in touch with this, and uh, uh, we'll see how it pans out in the future. If you're at 28 billion in crypto, right? How much of that are you going to leak out into treasuries and to put into the stock market and into U.S. dollar-denominated assets, yen-denominated assets, euro? This guy has got the the wedge for sure, but I guarantee you that guy's diversified a portion of his holdings into fiat uh, monies and um, and real hard assets. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, it would just be the. Oh. It would just make sense. So I, I did want to uh, just talk about um, two things, if I may. And by the way, to... we, we've got we've got a call in here. Doyle, you, are you on the line? Oh, we've got a drop call on Doyle. Okay, Joe, continue on, please. Yeah, no, this I thought was fascinating. So we talked about rents and inflation uh, before and, and how rents are going up like 18%. You know, yep. They're just going through the moon, and that is not reflected in the CPI, and it's not reflected really in any – uh, but there were, uh, in any other numbers other than the chase shilling, you get you got to follow that. So, uh, their uh, rents are soaring. That's going to um, uh, housing's a you know huge component of everybody's life. So that's going to compound uh, the interest rate or, or the uh, the inflation question. But when I was looking into it a little further, I came across the stat that 46 percent of 18 to 29 year olds are currently living with their parents. 46 percent. Wow. It's the highest level since 1948. If you remember, we had a war. We were kind of recovering from that. We yeah. We, bad recession after the war. Uh, the lowest came in 1960, and then the 60s, 70s, and 80s, they were kind of pretty consistent. But 46% just means that people can't afford to move out. So the wages, this wage inflation thing is real, for sure, uh, because people aren't going to live in their mother's bed, bath, or basements any longer. You know, at some point, they're going to they're gonna need to get paid, and, and that will become a, a theme this year for for sure, uh, but I just thought it was fascinating that that number had uh, matriculated up to such a high percent. And these and these kids are qualified, and then older people will be uh, grumpy about it. But the, the reality is, they're the highest educated generation ever. You know, they they they've got the means to uh, they they've got the intellectual capabilities and the technology to, to go out and make a living. They're just not getting paid for it and so being forced into. Basically, you know, artificial markets. Basically, they're home because rents are very expensive, and well, real estate yeah. rates are low, but prices of houses have gone through the roof for those two reasons. They, people are going sure back have. home and crashing uh, in the guest bedroom or in the basement. Yeah, you you bet. I mean, I, I read that, and I was grateful that my daughter has her own apartment and a job that pays her. <laughs> okay, good job, honey. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So that, that you know that that's worth watching. Um, the other thing, uh, Ed, as it relates to your um, particular profession as a money manager, I think 2022, we're, we're really wondering if fundamentals are going to catch up with valuations. Are they finally going to come in sync with one another? Now, we're pretty bullish on stocks this year, I, I, I have to admit, but it's still the too much money chasing too few stocks scenario and the overseas investments coming in. Interest rates are going to go up, so, more, so the bond market's going to, that money will shift from stocks to bonds at, at some point as the yield increases. That will help the dollar, which has also been stabilizing and it's not trending up, uh, upwards. Uh, 
But this is a, uh, I think, going to be a good year for stock pickers like yourself. And I think you guys are, are going to do uh, are going to do real well getting in there and doing the type of research that you do, and um, uh, it, you know, making the, the the adjustments in your your client portfolios as as you do. So we're uh, we're we're really bullish on. Uh, how things go on the flip side of that and how they don't go. And you could see some real crushing revaluations of stocks. Some of the technologies, the fangs, we've seen those move around quite a bit. They've got a lot of true believers that need to keep it up, though. I, I never believed Facebook's valuation because I always felt that, it, you know, the, the, the portfolios get locked in at a price and they got to support it. Um, but, you know, even the, uh, uh, the the Teslas of the world and, um, some of those that really had a terrific run next year. I mean, you could see a significant revaluation or reassessment uh, on some of those stocks that would be um, uh, impactful uh, on your on your clients. What do you think about the oil? Oil's uh, at eighty eight dollars a barrel. Is it the it's the highest seven years, yeah. eight years? You like you like so, the energy sector. Question. Uh, oil is probably going to uh, go uh, to 100. Um, uh, right now, on the supply side, Russia's had a hard time uh, keeping up even with its OPEC quotas. So, you know, some of the Middle Eastern commodity exporting countries are probably a good play in the ETF market countrywide. Um, so they're, they're struggling. I did look at, um, what was it? It was U.S. What did I look at? I looked at U.S. wells under production. And we're down, um, so we're from uh, two years ago. We're down, you know, a, uh, a million or so uh, barrels of, uh, of oil a day. Okay, so that's that's you know, real oil. Well, let's uh, call it about ten percent. Uh, so we're probably going to see some continued upward movement in, in oil prices. So what does all, all that mean, right? Okay, so what's driving the Fed to make their interest rates? Is it? And consumer, is it real price inflation, like, you know, you know, the old monetary inflation? Is it supply-driven inflation? Or is it expectations of the consumer, right, and expectations of the professional trading market, right? So um, at this point, I expect the Fed will be raising, you know, two, three, maybe even four times this year. But I expect them to be behind the curve and probably will still experience negative real rates in terms of inflation adjustment, right? So um, I, I don't see the Fed as being – I see the Fed being talked about a lot, but uh, less impactful on um, valuations uh, than uh, many seem to think if you turn on Bloomberg or, you know, read Reuters. Um, so you get kind of, kind of done with the Fed, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of. Stories kind of run as run as course, I think. But uh, we got so it's really is the tail wagging the dog or the dog wagging the tail. Yeah, we got some other uh, price increases by a couple big companies announced announced today. Yeah, you got Peloton, the uh, exercise bike maker. They're going to additional fees, three fifty for uh, the treadmill and two fifty for the bike. It's like a delivery setup fee they're charging extra. Uh, Netflix mm -hmm. announced they're going to be raising some prices by a couple bucks. So you do yeah. have prices going up still. Um, what do you think about the the two year and the ten year? Aren't they getting pretty close? It's not quite an inverted yield curve, but what uh, what do you feel about that? Well, they, they are. We're certainly seeing a flattening in the in the yield curve. But let, let me just address one thing with Peloton. I think Peloton is quite desperate to be acquired. Um, 
possibly by Apple, maybe somebody else. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the price action is on the stock, uh, to be sure. Um, uh, you know, my health club now, which is, you know, I got a nice health club and it's, it's pretty crowded all the time. People aren't staying home. You know, they're kind of sick of the uh, yeah. virus thing, right? You know, and the virus is always a wild card out there. We, we haven't talked about it because we're, it's kind of done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's but for sure. It's, it, it's, it's out there. And, but my health club is crowded and I think people are probably, you know, some of that is they're trying to, uh, support their, their, their top line. Well, their margins are probably under some pressure, and there's probably going to be some layoffs there and some some other things. And, you you got to you, know, we'll, you got to believe in you got to believe increasing the price is not going to help them necessarily to expand market market share, though. No, it's not. Uh, not not at all. I mean, they're, it's already expensive. I mean, who's buying the, their their treadmills and uh, and they're they've been you know mocked on you know television commercials for uh, Progressive and. They're mocked in, um, uh, what was it, that, that movie, the Sex in the City movie. And, you know, so they're becoming just not cool. <laughs> exactly. They were cool two years ago. Now they're not so cool. <laughs> just not so cool. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It, you know, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that, though. But, uh, but it, again, so the uh, just to circle back to the treasuries, flattening of the curve is never really a, a good thing, especially when they're in an inflationary market. You want to see a steepening of the curve. So we'll keep an eye on uh, on the two to ten spread, um, uh, it, you know, two to thirty doesn't matter like it, it used to, but because we're, it, you know, it, we, we only talk about it because the U.S. is one of the few countries that actually has a thirty-year bond. Yeah. Um, you know, so why not? Uh, but well, Joe, so, uh, yeah. Thanks for yeah, being ahead, with please. us today. We're nearing the end here. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, and any parting thoughts at all? No, my parting thoughts is I'm coming down to live with Ed Gardner in Borough Beach, Florida. Can't wait to have you here. Beautiful place to live. Love it down here. Excellent. Good. Joe, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for being with us. Uh, remember, listeners, any questions at all about your portfolio, you can always feel free to give me a call at 518-255-8854 or edgardner at cutterco.com. You can always listen to old interviews. You go to YouTube and search Money Nation.